Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. So for the last several weeks, Dale has been teaching us about worship. And one of the things he's been trying to help us understand about worship is that worship is so much more than what happens here on Sunday mornings during this precious holy hour when we're together. Worship is our whole life. It is is the sacrifice of our body to God. it's It's not just the singing we do for 15, 20 minutes. So that gives me some questions. I have three of them today I'd like to ask. The first one is, so why do we keep singing? (laughs) If if worship isn't singing, we we do it every week. And here's why. There are three reasons. First of all, worship is not singing, but singing can be worship. Right? You know, a Corvette is a Chevy, but not every Chevy is a Corvette. Right? Singing is one form of worship. And, and, it's, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but, but it is a special form of worship. So that's one reason we sing every week. Also, from the passage we just read together, we see that singing is one way that we admonish and teach one another. Now, if you look back in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, you'll read that this is one of Paul's great goals. Paul says of him and the men with him who were together as he was doing his ministry, and I think he's saying it to us as well. He says, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man perfect in Christ. As a body, as people of Christ, we admonish and teach one another so that we can present each other perfect, whole, complete in Christ filled with Christ and living out Christ. And one of the ways we do that, if you look back over in verse 16 of chapter 3, we read, therefore, oh, sorry, that's chapter 2, chapter (laughs) 3, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We teach, we encourage, we admonish one another with songs. That's one of the reasons we sing today. Listen to this. We sang this today. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There's no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless grace. To this I hold. My hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing all is mine. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. And this one hit me during second service more than in first service. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I hold, my Savior will defend me. 
Through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won and I shall overcome. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. We can do invitation, right? If, if you listen to the songs we sing, and I know Nick and the team is very careful about this, the gospel is in them. And so we, we sing because it's one of the ways that we teach and we admonish and encourage and strengthen ourselves and each other. So that's another reason. The, the other reason is here in verse 16, it goes on to say, uh, teaching and admonishing one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. Let me be clear. Grateful hearts cannot help but sing. Singing is a great expression of gratitude. And here's the thing. Gratitude, says Andy Stanley, looks like ingratitude unless it's expressed. Being grateful in your heart is great, but letting it out is even better. And singing is one of the ways we release our gratitude into the atmosphere, into the world, into, the, into God's presence and let him hear it. We, we put out gratitude when we sing. Now, some of us not very well, but that's okay. Have you ever heard someone sing at the top of their lungs who's not good? Do you doubt their joy? You, you may not like their sound, but you don't doubt their joy. You don't doubt their gratitude. You don't doubt how thankful they are. That's why we sing. It's one of the reasons we keep singing. Now, second question I have is, if singing is so divisive, why do we do it? Because there is a battle over music that has been going on in the church for a long, long time. Okay? I, I used to say it's you know, back when I was a kid, we had worship wars. <laughs> Listen, it's been going on a lot longer than just when I was a kid. This has been going on in the church for a long, long time. What do we sing? What don't we sing? What style is okay? What style is not okay? When do we sing? When do we not sing? Should we sing more? Should we sing less? Is it enough music? Is it not enough music? This goes on all the time. If it's so divisive, why do we keep doing it? Well, three reasons. First of all, our songs uniquely connect us to God. And by that, let me say this. Your songs uniquely connect you to God. That's why you love them and are passionate about them. Right now, in this room, if I went around, anyone who's been in the church for any length of time, a year or more, I would say, maybe even just six months, three months or more, there is a song that at some moment in your life really connected you to God and gave you an experience with God that just lifts you up and it makes you feel closer to God when you hear it, when you sing it, when you hear it expressed. It moves you. And that's why we're so passionate about this, because our songs uniquely connect us to God. I've got, I've got one from my childhood that I loved. I loved it. You know, Fifth Sunday, Sunday night service, uh, sing, sing-alongs, anybody remember those? 
piano player, you just call out a hymn and they start playing and y'all, everybody would sing. Every one of those, I would, I'd get out my hymn, 252. Let's, 252, 252, 252. Anybody know what it was? Just by the number, some of you probably sang out the same hymnal. Love lifted me. I, I love, love lifted me. I wanted to sing it every week. And the only, t- the only time I wouldn't sing it, the only time I wouldn't call it out was when my mom would just tap me and say, put your hand down. Because she was, she was tired of singing Love Lifted Me every time we, you know, she just tapped me. And you give you that little mom tap, you know, in church. And um, I think she didn't do it all the time because I stayed awake for the hymn sing because I couldn't wait to call out my number, right? I was, I was so excited as a kid. It's terrible. And, and I don't mean theologically, I mean musically. He, the chorus goes, in case you haven't heard it, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Does it not sound like Dick Van Dyke in a Mary Poppins movie? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's not good. It, it's very cheesy. But I love it. And if we sing it anywhere I go that sings it, I love it because it connected me to God. As we sang, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply scathed within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me, now safe am I. Look, it's not great poetry. It, it, it's, it's old-fashioned, very not great music, but I will sing it anytime you want me to. I understand why Nick doesn't, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not exactly the kind of music my kids are going to be moved closer to God by. But my songs uniquely connect me to God. That's why I'm passionate about them. And, and there are songs that can move you and touch you. In fact, we do songs here sometimes. We did a song, I think we started, October, I don't know, sometime last year we did it for the first time and I went, eh, couldn't really follow it. I was having trouble with the rhythm. It wasn't exactly, I, I liked the message, but it wasn't, I mean, the, the words were good. I just, I couldn't. Is one that when we sing now, I have trouble not singing way, way loud. In fact, this morning as we sang it, I was afraid y'all might hear me in an echo back in the back because I was singing it so loud. And it's the one I just read for you. Not, yet not I, but through Christ in me. First time we sang it, didn't, I, I didn't connect. But now, man, that song, I, I can't keep my hands down. Sorry for those of you who are conservative. Sorry if I'm sweating. I, I, I can't do it. I can't keep my hands down. When we sing it, it moves my heart because songs uniquely connect us to God. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. Let me give you just some science here. First of all, singing uses both sides of your brain. Your brain is fully connected when you sing. Because on the right side, the music uses that right side and it connects to that right side and the music draws it in. And the better the music and the fuller the music and the more music, the more it draws you in. That's also one of the reasons I love when there's harmonies going on. I love standing next to my wife. My wife will sing the alto part and I love standing there hearing her alto part because it helps that music side of your brain. But the lyrics connect your left side of the brain and the other side of your brain is connected because of the, the words and the message and all that stuff and it's the thinking part is connected and your whole brain connects so it uniquely connects you to God because your whole brain is involved. That's, that's one of the reasons we keep doing it even though it, it can create problems is, is that it connects us to God 
because our whole brain is there. And then lastly, music is powerful. Socrates said this, the power of music is that it has the ability to sneak past the gatekeeper of your reason and affect your very soul. And some of us, there are styles of music that when we hear, we don't even have to hear lyrics. We can just hear the music and our soul is so filled. And other styles that our soul twists and turns, just can't. That's all right. Your style may not be my style. It's not a style issue. The point is, it affects your soul. Music affects our souls. It, it affects us deeply. That's why we connect so deeply to our songs, and that's why we keep doing them, even though what lifts you up and what lifts me up may not be the same thing. Talking to one of our brother, brothers this morning, he loves bluegrass, old gospel, southern gospel music. He just really fills him up. Uh, there are certain times in this community we have those groups come in, and they, and they you know, it's awesome for him. Not me. But when we sing Victory in Jesus like it's an 80s rock song, I am all in. And, J and uh, Jacob and I are like, yeah, here we go. I love that stuff because I grew up, I love 80s rock music. I, so it connects me different. But, but the fact is music moves our soul. It moves our souls. And so what we do, what, what we do as a church, at least I know Nick, tries to do this, is we position our songs to do their best to reach the most people we can and move them from an invitation into a time of singing to God and worship with God until we focus in on Jesus and the cross so that before we hear the message, and Dale comes up here to preach, or some guy off the street he picks up, um, comes in here to speak and share the Word of God, our hearts are on Jesus. And that's on purpose. And sometimes the songs are to invite us in and gather us in. Usually they're faster, they're more upbeat, they're, they help us kind of direct us. You know, it, it's loud enough that if you're out in the hall, you're like, oh, I gotta, gotta go get a seat. But also like today, as we sang that first song, we're, we're also inviting God in. We're asking God to come and, and move in this time and in this place. It's an invitation song. And then, and then you've got the worship song of, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And then we move down into, oh, come to the altar. And then a, a moment of personal, I need thee every hour. So that when we open the word, our hearts and our souls have been moved to hear. That's, that's one of the reasons we keep doing it. Because it's powerful. So that brings us to my third question, and this is where we're going to spend some time. How do we stop the war? How do we get over this fight that has been going on in the church for so long? Because listen, Jesus says in John 13, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when we're fighting over style of worship, the world is kept away from Jesus. So we got to stop. But it's hard because we're connected to our songs. They uniquely connect us to God, and our souls are moved by things. So how do we do it? Well, first of all, 
you got to get your body right. If you'll turn with me to our passage today out of Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 12. And I'm going to read it to you, and you may think, what's that got to do with my body? Well, I'll get to that. Listen, here's what verse 12 through 14 says. So as those who have been chosen, chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is per the perfect bond of unity. Now, now, when you hear humility, humility, compassion, forgiveness, love, you may be thinking those are heart words, not body words. But listen to these two words Paul says, put on. This is how you express yourself to others. You should be expressing gentleness, expressing kindness. When other people see you, so this is on your outside, they should hear words and see actions that are kind, compassionate, loving, forgiving, gracious things. That's what others should see from you. I know sometimes in your thought bubble there are things that you don't like. I have thought bubbles. Leave them in the thought bubble. To each other, we need to be loving and compassionate and kind. I need to care more about you with my words and actions than I do about me. Okay? My words and actions should show you kindness and gentleness and compassion and love and forgiveness. It doesn't mean sometimes inside I'm not struggling. And as an extrovert, I need someone I can actually say that to. But it's like one, maybe two people. It's not everybody. <laughs> what everybody gets from me is compassion, love, kindness. At least when I'm doing my best. That's the way we should be expressing ourselves to one another. This is our action. This is our words. This is what we should be doing, right? And, and we need to get our body right on that. I got to tell you, I am consistently amazed by how grown people can act like two-year-olds when it comes to singing. Okay? Stop it. Get your body right. Get your words right. Get your expressions right. Now, if you're having trouble internally with some things in your thought bubble, that's okay. You can find one or two people to express them to kindly, gently, recognizing most of the time that's how you feel. That doesn't make you right and somebody else wrong. It's what you're feeling, and it's okay to have your feelings. But express them to somebody where you can do it kindly and gently with them, and they're going to accept it with kindness and gentleness, not I'm going to come at I'm going to come at everybody and I'm taking Nick off the stage before the worship's over and tackling him because he can't stand anymore. Okay? And honestly, if you come to Nick kindly and gently and tell him, hey, is it possible for us to sing this song? It just is one of those that really connects my heart to God. He will kindly and gently respond. Sometimes he'll sing it. And sometimes he'll say, Dal, that's not good music, and I'm probably not going to do it. Or maybe he'll find a way to sing Love Lifted Me that is good music, and it'll sound all right, but I have not been able to do that. All right. I don't, but he cares about that, right? He cares about it. 
I asked him, it's funny, last week, you know, Dale made the point that we, we don't sing a lot of hymns around here, and I texted, I texted Nick and said, we sing a hymn almost every week. Nick pointed out that actual hymns can only be written between 1700 and, 19, and 1900, and anything else is not a hymn. I just want to point out that How Great Thou Art wasn't put into English till 1946, okay? So we got to get over that. But Nick will listen. In fact, Nick has heard. He, he has done this before. He's gone to two different churches. He said, you know, what hymns do you want to sing? It's the same 15. And Elvis sang most of them. <laughs> so, so listen, it's okay. And if he says no, he's not saying no because he didn't love you. He's saying no because we have a, a thing we're trying to do with our worship. And, and sometimes some stuff just doesn't, it's not going to fit. Or at least he's not able to make it fit. And he's not being mean. He's just, he's just trying to make it fit. But if you're kind to him, I know Nick. He will be kind back. Nick is a kind guy. All right, enough about Nick. All right, second thing we got to do is we got to get our head right. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts in which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Now you may say, again, wait, that's about your heart, not about your head. No, it is about your head, and here's why. Let the peace of Christ. It is a choice to have peace at the front of your desires and expectations. It is a choice to be a person of peace. That is a mental thing. I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. I make a mental choice to let Christ's peace be at the center of what I do. I make a mental decision to do that. Listen, God's intention for mankind from creation has been that a unified group of people would bring his kingdom alive to bear and rule on this earth. That's why man was created in the beginning. And because of sin, we began to fracture. Started with Adam and Eve. Then it was Cain and Abel. And as the story of the Bible moves down through, what you see is that all of mankind gets so divided at one point, Jesus, God says, I'm starting over. He wipes it out. He gets, gets one, one guy and his three sons and their wives and his wife, and they get together, and that's who's going to start over. And even when they start over, they start fighting again. And, and so God came and sent Jesus, and he became one of us, and he died on a cross, and he saved us from sin, making us whole so that we would be able to be indwelt by the Spirit of God so that the Spirit can move through us, and he can work through us to bring about a unified body that is moving together to make things happen in the world. That, that's God's plan in the gospel. That's why he's come. That's God's plan in all, since history began, since, since we were created. That's God's plan. And in this passage, I want to point something out. When this says, let the, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it's not about you. I'm going to try to say this in a way I hope you understand. Uh, folks back home in Dallas will get this. Uh, that word, your hearts, is actually y'all's heart. All y'all have one heart. And the peace of Christ is to rule there. 
Our first goal is to get our minds right and let Christ's peace be our first goal. It's got to be the center. We got to get that right. I'm more concerned about you than I am about me. I don't have to like every song because maybe we'll sing a song one week that isn't great, but it moves you. And maybe we'll sing a song that you could care less whether we sing it or not. But I sing I need thee every hour, and all of a sudden I'm connected to childhood moments in my church. When I stop thinking about worship and singing and how it affects me, and I start thinking about how it affects you, and I start singing at the top of my lungs, oh, come to the altar. His arms are open wide over here, loud enough for you to hear it over here, because I know I'm loud. Um, It may be because someone sitting right here needs to hear that. And the gospel is coming out of me and somebody else. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. That's what God is doing. But we have to choose that. We have to choose to make it about us, not about me. I had one brother come up to me after first service and say, okay, I just kept typing. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me in his notes. Because it's not. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. What do we do to move people closer to Jesus in our singing? And does our singing take people from outside of Christ into Christ? Is, does our singing have lyrics that actually tell us the gospel and remind us of what Jesus has done? And let me tell you, ahead of time, yes, on purpose, it does. It's a very thoughtful thing that is done here. The gospel is in our music, and it's not just for you. It's for those sitting around you. Oh, by the way, let me look into the camera. If you're sitting at home right now and you struggle to sing uh, online because there's only four or five of you, yeah, I get it. I do. I totally understand. But do me a favor. Sing anyway because the people sitting around you may need to hear you singing. Sing because the person next to you may need to hear it from you. And it's not just about you. It's about us. It's about us and who we are in Christ together. And that's a choice you make in your mind to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When we do that, we begin to overcome the fighting. The last thing we're going to do to overcome it is we will get our hearts right. Verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed. Oh, wait, now we're talking about actions. No, we're talking about heart now because actions are the result of what goes on in your heart. Listen, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Jesus is why we sing and he's what breathes the singing out of us when we put Jesus in our hearts, when we center our hearts on what Christ has done for us and who he is in us, we become so grateful we can't help but sing no matter what song is being offered. Because our hearts are centered on Christ. It's all about Jesus. And when we get our hearts centered on Jesus, worship comes out, singing comes out, because our hearts are right. And when we're busy doing the thing that we're supposed to do because our hearts are centered on God. 
and on Jesus, and we've let our minds choose to focus on what Jesus has done. It's not really time for complaining because you don't have time you're busy doing. There's no time for a battle. There's no time for a war because you're busy doing the thing. So let me encourage you. Get your heart right. Get your mind right. Get your body right. And the war will go away. The war between us and the war inside of you. It's not about you. It's about us. And it's about Jesus. Isaac was a piano player, a good piano player, you know. The kind people call when they want a good piano player. And he played a lot. He loved to play the piano. He'd play for symphonies. He'd play for parties. He'd play in bars. (laughs) Wherever he could play, except church. (laughs) But Isaac's dad was a preacher. (laughs) So one day when Isaac was 19 years old, his dad came to him and said, why will you share your gift with the devil any time, but you won't give it to God? And Isaac said, because church music is boring. And his dad, with right mind and right heart, spoke these words. He said, then write something better. So Isaac did. For the next two years, Isaac wrote a song every week, if not two. For two years, he wrote music for church to make it better in his mind and what, what he would find better and what his friends would find better and what, his, what people would enjoy who were his age and in the modern day. And I, I am so glad he did. Because when I was doing youth ministry in Phoenix, we were doing this worship service. And we sang one of Isaac's songs. And at the end of the service, Donnie came up to me and he said, I want you to know something. I gave my life to Jesus while we sang that new cross song tonight. And I turned to Donnie, I said, that's amazing. I began to talk to him about baptism and about the covenant with Christ and coming one with him. And in the back of my head, I kept thinking, what new cross song? What new cross song? What new cross song? And finally I asked, what new cross song are you talking about? And he said, you know, the one about seeing Jesus and looking at him on the cross. I just could picture him. And I knew how much he'd done for me. And so I'm grateful that in, the spot, in spite of his struggle with church music, Isaac's dad said, it's not about me, it's about us. So write something better. And I'm grateful that for two years, in 1706, Isaac wrote this song. Because one day, Donnie would come to Jesus because Isaac wrote it. 
And as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want to sing it for you. When I survey the that's intended to unite us in Christ because what he did matters more than anything. So if you will, take the bread. Father,
As we take this bread, remind us that your body was broken for all of us. And let us see each other with the same eyes you saw us when you chose to give your life. And as we take the juice, and Lord, may your blood be the blood that runs through us and shows the world that your grace is greater than all our sin. Amen. So before we go, I would be remiss if I did not say whether it be a song we sang earlier, the Word of God, or a song that, the song I just sang. If anything has moved you closer to Jesus, and you know you need to talk to someone, or you want to be moved, by, moved with someone else, and you need to take your next step, please let somebody know. And let's leave together in unity today with our hearts centered on Christ. And may the world see that we don't all think the same, but we all love the same. So that Christ's kingdom may come to earth. We'll see you next week. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.